0: Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike.
1: And this is Orlando.
0: And this is episode 296. 296, which means we are almost to 300, but we're not quite there yet. Uh, and today is one of our, our themed episodes. And we are talking about... uh, We're talking about... Bad things. Bad things. No,
1: I thank you guys. Real, real, I know
0: we're a things. day late and and it's it's because uh, life just caught up
1: to us. Been kind of busy. Mike's been busy wrapping up the school year. I've just been busy trying to survive <laughs> on, on eBay right now and so we'll talk about some of that. uh And actually you should catch our Monday Minnesota where we talk about uh what are the things the reselling community community is not talking about because I think I think there's a lot of things that people aren't discussing that needs to be discussed. So tune in on Monday for that. But hey let's start a, on a good note. We're almost at uh, 300 episodes and uh, reselling is still a viable option to make yeah. money that's a good thing that's right uh and even during enough time so the during tough times, so this episode is going to be i i think we're just expecting it, it's going to happen maybe it won't i don't know but <laughs> prepping for the upcoming recession slash stagflation Ooh,
0: yeah and uh it's one of those things like i feel like as a as a podcast we've we've talked you know over the last year especially as we were kind of moving in towards uh, some economic troubles we were, we were talking about inflation and how that would impact reselling and i think like a lot of people were kind of upset with us saying we were like sounding alarm bells before and you know it was necessary and turns out like the the inflation we've been talking about like legitimately was a thing we were we were right The, you know going on like what year and a half now we've been talking yeah, about it was two a years long time. uh so i wish i was wrong yeah no for Trust sure i wish me. i was I wrong, wrong. I but was wrong. but the signs were there and and so you know we were looking at what does that mean for us as resellers and specifically we've talked about things like okay we've got to adapt our prices we've got to find ways to still be competitive uh, while making more because our dollar buys less uh, so we've got to figure out ways to make that work and and so we're kind of taking that a step further so if, if we're right on that you know now we're moving towards things are rough so whether or not we want to say that we're, we're definitely going into recession or stagflation we can definitely say Things are things are challenging right now. We're in a, a challenging time where uh, we're coming out of we're coming out of uh, a lot of you know easy money, as it were, where there was lots of stimulus, there was tax returns, there were lots of lots of people had money, kind of just extra. You know, a lot of people were hurting, so it wasn't extra money, but enough people had extra money that spending was way up. Uh, we saw that in 2020. We saw that. Uh, going into 2021. uh, But now we're at a place where that's kind of dried up and we're seeing the fruits of that. We're seeing uh, this downturn economy. And what does that mean for us as resellers? What do we have to do uh, to one, survive this uh, Two, hopefully not just thrive, but actually come out of this better than we were going into it and set ourselves up? Because you know, people have, have accused us of being like doomsdayers, but the reality is we we understand economics just and it's it always, real. it always goes in cycles. Like it, the economy does really well. We have times of expansion and then you have times of, of retraction or contraction. And it just, it's a natural part of, of an, any economic system. And so there's going to be ups, there's going to be seasons of ups, seasons of downs. And so it would be foolish of us not to at least address like, Hey, we're, we've been in an up, we're moving towards a down. What does that mean? How do we how do we deal with that? So uh, do you want to define our terms for today, though? The recession, stagflation? I do. Uh, but before we do that, and this is not going to be a sponsored ad, I do want to address the fact that,
1: you know, it, when when it comes to to this whole, you know, our our episodes and reselling, like this is going to be a little different one. This is going to be one that's not based on like, oh, I heard, you know, from this reseller and they told me how it was because we do have you should check out inter- our interviews with Craigslist Hunter, Amazing Taste Store, who s- they started their reselling journey when recession hit and they thrived, Right. And so, you know, check out those interviews. I think those will be uh, very encouraging and motivating. Uh, but at the same time, I wanted to look at just, you know, what was being said, what was being said in 08, 09, 2012. Uh, I mean, it took me a lot of hours. I, I read a lot of articles and I had to sift through a lot. And so I wanted to get to, you know, exactly what can we expect, right? And I'm not a big guy on, well, I am a big guy, but I'm not a big guy when it comes to, uh, you know, history repeats itself, right? What happened in 08 is going to happen now in 2022 or what happened in, you know, 1929 will happen now or whatever it is. But I I do believe that there's a lot of similar uh, patterns to things. And so, you know, we have recession, we have stagflation. I don't want to get deep into Econ 101, but uh, recession is just basically we have two uh, periods, two quarters. Okay. And you know, there's three month intervals and where, uh, there's a decline in the growth of gross domestic product, which is GDP, which is basically, uh, the country's wealth. Right. So we were down first quarter 1.5%. And now the expectation is that we'll have a gain of 0.9%, I think, which isn't, that's not great that, that there's not a lot of room there. And so if it happens that we are in decline, then we already are in a recession. Right. Or we're we're right at the cusp of it. The other end is stagflation where, well, recession. What recession just means is that there's going to there's a decline in spending. There's a decline in economic growth. That means that, you know, and we'll talk about what we know about recession based on the data from typically lower employment, lower employment, less money going around and so on. Then you have stagflation, which stagflation is a worse scenario. So recession. You can get through a recession in, in a year, you know, half a year, maybe uh, 18 months. But stagflation
0: is worst case. I, I, well, worst case scenario is Mad Max. Yeah. But but stagflation is really bad. Yeah. Stagflation is essentially when you have a recession or a downturn economy uh, and you're also... So you've got unemployment, you've got all of the issues that come with a recession, but you also have high inflation rates, which everything is expensive. So typically inflation, you know, is addressed by uh, adjusting interest rates. And the thing that would normally fix a recession, uh, you can't do because you're also trying to combat inflation. So you've got almost the worst of both worlds going on together. Uh, And so and regardless because again people would say like when we were talking about inflation people would say well we're not seeing uh, hyperinflation it's like okay well true hyperinflation has a definition uh which is like pretty extreme so but nobody can deny that that we're definitely seeing inflation your money goes far you know it doesn't go as far as it used to um and so whether or not we would say like okay this is a legitimate recession i think we can all agree whether or not it meets that definition point we're definitely in a downturn economy we're in, a, in, a, in an economy where Things are rough for people. And so uh, forgive us if, if you know, the definitions don't line up to what exactly happens. And it's not like, oh, well, you guys were wrong. But uh, really, we're trying to get the spirit of we're moving into difficult times. Yeah, so. I agree. And so that puts it at a crossroads with reselling,
1: right? Because, you know, right now we're dropping this episode in June, right? And generally, people are talking about summer slowdown. And I think this summer slowdown may be different or it may be the same. You know, I might come through this in August and go, you know what? Sales are great. Right, but I think all of us can right now, and not all of us, many of us uh, can say sales have been interesting, right? Whether they've been a roller coaster ride, whether they've been a huge downturn, right? We can say, hey, maybe the eBay algorithm has changed things up, or maybe it's just people are spending less, right? And they're looking at different things, and and maybe we all have to adopt, right? So, I, I think when we talk about this, when it comes to reselling we have to think this in in longer terms right we can't just think about this in the summer we can't just think about this this coming q4 because if we jump into recession or even worse stagflation which can go on for a way longer time uh, i mean we're talking about 1970s stagflation was a decade okay it was from 70 almost a decade 73 to about 1980 and then when Ronald reagan came in there were Things that were done to combat that, and and during that time, inflation had gone from seventy three to eighty. From, I, I believe it was like three percent to like fourteen percent, and right now we're, we're about there,
0: right? And yeah, if you're using the same metrics, actually, as as we, oh, it we could be it's worse 70s. now. Yeah, it's actually so it's hard because the the metrics, the way they measured inflation, has changed. So. That, that makes it pretty tough. Hopefully but. we haven't lost a lot of you right now, but I, I, we need to lay this yeah. foundation. Yeah. So th- this is the foundation. Now we'll, we'll, we'll jump into, okay, what does this mean as reseller? So uh, we're going to talk today about what we don't know, what we do know, and uh, what we can potentially expect.
1: So for example, right, we already talked about you know what we do know about recession, right? People are going to spend less money, but that doesn't mean you're going to have less sales as a reseller, right? Generally, people go after the secondhand market. Right. And so there's opportunities on on, on both sides right? of this. There's going to be we're going to talk about this later on how thrift stores actually boom during this time. But what does that mean? That means that not everybody right now, right, with gas prices, I'm expecting everyone's going to want to drive around to thrift stores. They may just go on eBay. Right. But what does that mean for your prices? Are you going to have to lower or are you going to have to raise them? Right. How bad how bad can it get? Well, it all it all depends how you are set. it all depends on. On your business model and how you have everything put together. Are you, if you're just trying to sell continued collectibles, it may be tough. But that doesn't mean that there aren't wealthy individuals out there still buying those kind of items. It just generally that means it's going to be less. And then, you know, you got to think about how long can you sustain this. How, how you're gonna have to run lean. I do think as resellers.
0: We we talked about this. Are you trying to like cover everything real quick before we even start? I feel like you've like run the gambit here (laughs) instead of us talking. You know, but but here's the thing: what we don't
1: know, what we don't know is how things are. We just don't know. We just don't know, right? This is uncharted waters, like I said before. And so here's what we do know: first, let's talk about gas, right? So does that affect
0: your sourcing? Has that been a part in your uh, hey garage sales, thrifting, or where I'm gonna go? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, gas, gas continues, prices go up and and that's part of, there's more at play than just inflation. I mean, inflation is a part of it, a significant part of it, but then there's also other things. There's geopolitical stuff going on, uh, which, which impacts that. But, uh, I, I was looking at one of the gas stations I normally get gas at and it, it's, it's approaching $7 here in San Diego's $7. I, I love it when the gas. nationwide average is $5. Yeah, they're worried like, about oh, getting We were $5 to $5. Like two yeah, we were, ago. that was a long time ago for us. But that really does make an impact on on how much I want to drive, and, and so part of it is becoming more strategic. Okay, got to make sure that I'm I'm not making additional trips. That if I'm already out, hey, I've got to run to the grocery store. I've got to go to this. Hey, maybe that's when I'm going to stop at a thrift store. I'm just going to plan that because or I'm on my way home, so I'm going to plan a stop then as opposed to going out again. And um, that's that's typical. I mean, the hard part is a lot of times this has already been figured in. Like I'm already trying to save as much on gas so it's not like I just drive around like crazy on a normal year so there really isn't much wiggle room here it's like I'm already trying to make sure that I'm making the best use of my time which means I'm not making extra trips but gas continues the 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 continued increase in gas so it's it's tough because sometimes there's there's no more strategic things you can do to make it better other than buy a new car which again might not work either because by the time you've you know paid the difference and made up the difference there so it's definitely tough because things are definitely going up. Gas is one of them and and everything else is going up too. I mean, the hard part is bills across the board and, and prices across the board. And people, well, people don't realize a lot of times what, what gas and diesel. I have a diesel generator that I use. When diesel prices go up, the prices of things in stores go up as well. So the prices of stuff in, in Target and Walmart and your grocery store, because it takes trucks with powered by diesel gasoline or diesel uh, fuel to get the the items there, as those prices go up, then so do the prices of everything else. And it, it's really tough because you look at things like, okay, I got a message, I don't know what service provider you have, I have AT&T, and I got a message that says, uh, just wanted to let you know that your bill, the plan you're on will be going up by $12 a month what? if you're okay with this, uh, you know? don't have to do anything. Uh, yeah, so the, the plan that we have is increasing in price. And we've seen this with all kinds of stuff. I mean, if you are on Netflix, if you're on Amazon Prime, like the, it's, it's, if you pretty much no matter what subscription plan you're on, you're going to see an increase in price. Prices have gone up. Your rent has probably gone up. And the thing is, even if people want to say, like, okay, well, inflation is going to get better. Maybe it's transitory. It's going to go away after a certain period of time. These prices don't go down. I'm not expecting that in two years, if if we get things under control, the ATD is gonna be like, hey, you know what? Now that the economy is better and we've got uh this inflation under control and the supply chain is figured out, uh, we're gonna go and drop your your bill by 12 bucks. Like once those prices go up, they go up forever. So that's gonna happen to everyone, right? So that means there's eBay be,
1: fees. So there's gonna be less money in the economy. So there's things you need to factor in, right? I've already seen I, on TikTok, I've seen people talking about because of the high gas prices, they're only sourcing twice a week, right? So I would say now is the time to lock in. How you are going to source for maybe the next year, right? Are you going to go pallets? Are you going to... Do you have some thrift stores that are ones that you're kind of like, ah, I don't need to go to these anymore? Or are you going to just do garage? So I, I think you need to factor that in because that's going to have to be something that you budget right, uh, your your expenses for everything right, even the su- supply, your shipping supplies is gonna is gonna go up in price. So, you know, this is these are all things you should do anyways, right? It's not like we're saying anything extra, as far as like, hey, you know, you should we never go, you should buy the most expensive shipping supplies, but now is probably the time to figure out how are you gonna access those? Or maybe, you know, how can you bulk buy them? Right. So, you know, prices may in six months, maybe even more expensive on shipping supplies. So maybe now is the time to maybe make a huge order uh, from a company because the bigger the order, the cheaper it is, right? So a very simple example, you know, I just ordered uh, thermal labels. Now you could get them uh, for free uh, via UPS. If you do a lot of UPS shipping and that you, you can Google that on YouTube. But, you know, I bought a thousand labels because they're two cents a piece, right? Where if I bought 500, it would have been four cents a piece, right? Tiny savings, but all those savings over time add up. But for example, I do expect I do expect eBay fees to keep going up. I don't think they're gonna. Once they're at a certain set, it's not like eBay is gonna do a spring seller update and say we decided to lower our fees. Like I don't see that happening, and then at the same time, right, shipping's gonna go up. We've already, I mean, it's obnoxious right now. Even with the post office, if I send the first class at the very one pound weight, it's six twenty eight from with all my eBay discounts. But if I send a flat rate envelope, it's seven dollars and something. Yeah, and it's like there, there's no difference at times.
0: Yeah, and what what makes this tough is as a reseller, you've got to either one increase your prices in order to cover the cost of these things, or two eat the cost. Like those are really the only two options: is you you increase the the prices of your items or your shipping and handling in order to make the same amount, you know, a, as comparatively as you were year two years ago, or you eat the cost and you work harder to make the same amount. And so neither one of those is a really good option because when you raise your prices, which we've talked about for you know going on a year now that this is something we're going to slowly have to do. And there's going to be an awkward transition period where you raise your prices and you're going to be higher than your competitors. And so they're going to be selling things, but eventually they're selling at, at almost a loss. Eventually they they they're going to have to either increase their prices or get out of the game. So it's tough. I mean, everybody at some point has to increase their prices, just like we're seeing companies like AT&T and Netflix saying, we've got to increase our prices. There really is no other option when you're dealing with this kind of stuff. And uh, Orlando made the comment that there's less money in the economy. And it's kind of a tricky thing when you deal with potentially stagflation, because you almost have, have two things happening at once. You almost have more money in the economy, which is why, why inflation is going up so high, but it's less discretionary money people have less and I think that's the key there is there's actually almost too much money potentially in the economy as a whole which is one of the reasons why prices have gone up so high but they've got to soak some of that money back in and so prices have increased and people even though technically like a lot of jobs are giving increases like California gave a big increase but the higher the wages the higher the inflation exactly so as as more money gets into the economy which at, at first glance sounds great it actually is almost a net loss for a lot of people because, hey, I got a $2 raise at work, but everything has gone up significantly. And it's almost like I'm making less than I was making before. And so there's potentially more money in the economy, but as weird as it sounds, there's less discretionary money. So how does that affect us as resellers? Well- So discretionary meaning money that people have to spend. People have to spend on things besides the the necessities. So- they might be making more money but if everything is increased they might actually have less percentage of money to 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 buy the things they want to buy on on ebay or amazon and so i mean they're basically begging people like people need to spend more in order for us to get out of this potential recession and it's like well people can't spend more when most of their money is now going to things like gas and food which has gone up significantly in price so what does that mean as a reseller so as a reseller this might be the time that you have to adjust your what ni- what niche you're in. So if you're in a niche where it's, it's hobbies, it's collectibles, there're still going to be people who they've got too much money, they don't know what to do with it and even in a recession is not going to affect them. So you potentially can do fine depending on what niche you're in, but as a whole as discretionary income drops for many people, you might have to move towards things that people need, whether it's yeah, utility, mall mall brand clothes, shoes those types work of things workwear work um house like replacement parts this might be like somewhere where you're like you know I normally don't part things out but I'm going to start selling parts because you know if somebody's washing machine breaks if washing machines quite cost, cost almost two times what they did 3 or 4 years ago I'm just going to find a new motor and I'm going to fix it myself
1: so during during the recession of 08 people held on to their cars 2 to 3 years longer than normal Right. They held on to appliances longer than normal. Right. And so you're right about parts and the fact that, you know, instead of people going out to buy brand new, they're looking for a cheaper alternative to make what they have last longer. Right. And so again, you also have to think about your sourcing. Like if you've been selling a lot of items that are, you know, like let's say $15 a piece. Right. And you've done free shipping. Right. And you've had low margins of, I don't know, making one to two three four dollars net profit on each one it may be time to shift because that might be all gone i know right now so for example right now whatnot okay the one not auction site is great for a lot of resellers right because even though they're selling things for so cheap it's still profitable right but that just changed because whatnot changed their shipping prices right and so as shipping goes up Right. That margin is going to get even less and less and less. And so maybe you're going to have to move away from that one to two dollar margin. Or if it's something that's in high demand, it's not going to matter. Right. It, it, you're going to have to fluctuate. It, this also goes along with pricing. Right. It's interesting. I, I was looking at uh, there, this article back from uh, 20, uh, 2009, 2009 uh, and for Money Watch. And they had talked about in 1973 during the recession, as competitors panicked, IBM made an unusual move. It raised prices. So IBM took the step after embracing the marketplace, uh, market, marketing catchphrase, nobody ever got fired for buying IBM. Most people think in tough times, you have to give a special offer or cut prices, uh, Steven says, but that ends up devaluing the product and the salesperson's reputation. When price prices fall dramatically, Steven says, customers start to believe they are overpaying at the regular price or at the product is so cheap because there's something wrong with it. Instead of slashing prices, consider offering additional services such as longer guarantees or additional tech support to make buyers feel they're getting more value for their money. So on the reselling end, what does that mean? Well, I would say lowering prices may be effective, but it could also hurt you if it's too low, right? Because then we've had this discussion before where people are like, why, why is that price so cheap, right? Is there something wrong with it? Is there something off
0: now? And you it, just might not be making enough money to make Correct. your time worthwhile.
1: Correct. But if your price is a little bit higher, but you are able to offer free returns, you know, you have expedited delivery, you have all these other perks, then people are saying, you know what, I, I'm I'm not only am I getting that product, but I'm getting that product faster, I'm getting better customer service. And so these are things you're gonna have to think about in a recession because you think money matters now? Imagine when people only have so much money to spend, Right. They're not going to go after the cheapest, maybe because they're going to think, hey, the cheapest is going to cost me in the long run. Right. Whether it be clothing, whether it be shoes, whether it be repair parts, whether it be whatever it is. Right. There may be this, you know, psychological game of, hey, I want to make sure that what I'm buying is worth every single dollar I'm spending because I don't have a lot of money to spend. So maybe going to the cheapest route may not be the best in the recession, but also going the highest route may not be the best Calling the recession.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really tricky. It's going to depend what niche you're in. You're going to have to play around and see. Um, you, you've got to make sure your prices are competitive no matter what you do. You can't be overly, overly expensive. Um, but I, I think the bigger concern, because I, I doubt, especially for like uh, the typical yard sale type eBay store, that people are too concerned if the prices are cheaper than everybody else unless it's like significant if you're trying to buy something new like if i'm on amazon i'm wanting to buy a pizza cutter and the typical pizza cutter is like 15 20 bucks they got good reviews but then there's one for three dollars i'm probably not buying the three dollar one because it's like this one's probably garbage but when it comes to hey i'm looking for a pair of boots and i know exactly the brand and style and fit that i'm looking for if i see one half the price on ebay of everybody else I still jump on that. So I don't know if it applies as much to the secondary market if people are looking for specific things, but it's going to depend, like I said, what niche you're in. If you, if you sell you know, new, if you've got private label, then yeah, dropping the prices might actually hurt you in the long run, for sure. And it definitely is going to hurt you if you're dropping your prices to get those quick sales, if you're actually working for $5, $10 an hour by the time it's all said and done um, at that point man, go go flip burgers because to, to do that is, is, would be miserable if you're just constantly packing and shipping and sourcing for significantly lower ROI because you're just trying to get the, the, the quick buck. Correct, correct. Now, the other thing is that we do
1: know is that secondary market does continue to thrive. So I'll give you just a quick uh, case study. So uh, time back in 2011, uh, they had done a report about it, about how pawn shops actually grew as far as in their businesses and so they said uh it's been a huge year for retail so far in the holiday shopping season with 52 billion spent over black friday weekend another 6 billion spent online during the several week that followed here's one more hot consumer trend which is unsurprising given the still shaky state of the economy more and more shoppers seem to be buying holiday gifts at the pawn store uh there are 13,000 pawn shops around the country and many are reporting strong sales for 2011 and especially strong sales the year comes to a close Knowing that the world of, of pawn is a $6.1 billion industry in the US, uh, they, they did a study and a chain that runs 22 stores in four states. The holiday period always tends to be good for business at pawn stores. And the holiday season of 2010 was Amer- Pawn America's best ever. Until this year, Pawn America sales numbers on Black Friday of 2011 were 35% higher than last year. So there's a lot of reports like this, but I thought this was interesting for two reasons. One is I'm not 100 percent about the strength of of Amazon as far as when it comes to to holiday gifts and so on, like it's been in previous years. Right. I I would say 2020 and 2021 was the golden age of reselling expensive toys, video games and all those things. Brand new, brand new. Right. And then at the same time, I do see that, you know, if if pawn shops are growing, then this also means that places like eBay and etsy and others that sell secondary goods people are going to go to those places to buy their goods at this time and so I, I couldn't i was looking for ebay numbers to see how the ebay there's there's nothing out there uh but uh you know my my, my guess is you know if you can buy something right that's pretty close to something retail and you can get it at 50 60 percent of, of that price you're going to go for it right especially when again every single dollar you spend and and every you know, reseller that we talked to have been through this said, yes, secondary market grows, secondary market grows, secondary market grows. And so I anticipate even this Q4, I don't know how much Amazon I'm going to be doing. I think I may be growing my eBay store even more uh, and, and maybe Amazon be good. Maybe I'll be missing out. But my, my sense is, is that as money gets tighter, you know, trying to sell something that I could buy for 80 bucks and flipping it in for three to 400. I don't know if I'll be able to do that consistently. Right, This last Q4, there were there were a few things that were that down that road on Amazon, but not many. It was even tougher. And again, as people are losing jobs and people are trying to find other ways to make money, the competition is going to continue to grow. Do you
0: have anything you want to add? No, I, mean, I think that's, that's probably right. I, I still think that it's tough, especially if you're talking about things like Q4 with Christmas time. I think if we're dealing with stagflation... Uh, or a really, really bad economic system, then I don't think that, I don't think that, I just think spending as a whole is gonna be down for things like gifts for Christmas and that type of stuff. And so if spending is down across the board, that's gonna impact all Amazon resellers. It's gonna impact probably a lot of eBay sellers. So, I don't know if it would be like, hey, people are just gonna shift from going to Walmart and Target and they're gonna be buying people used gifts on eBay. I don't think that's gonna shift so much. I think we're all gonna feel the impact of that. Uh, but I do think, as a whole, as the economy is bad, if you're selling things like jeans, work boots, um, home decor stuff, things that people want but want at a cheaper price, I definitely think the secondary market is gonna do really well there. Uh, that can make it harder for potential competition at thrift stores and stuff if people are like hey i need to decorate my house or i need to get shoes i should go check the thrift store so there's there are downsides to that but again how many times have you been to a thrift store and you don't find what you're looking for and people are going to turn to online and if you've already found what it is they're looking for then you make the profit.
1: Well, that's what I mean. I think I think right now we're in a weird lull with summer slowdown with maybe the eBay algorithm and so they're slow, but I do think they're going to pick up and
0: I do think they'll pick up pick up on eBay. It just again is making sure we have the right stuff. All right. And even if they don't pick up, if you think comparatively, if if spending is down across the board, let's say I don't know, I'm just throwing random numbers out there. So don't put any weight in these numbers. But if but if spending across the board goes down 10% or 15%, but spending only goes down two or 3% on the secondary market, that's still proportionately a win. Yeah. So even if sales don't pick up, if they don't drop to the levels that it's dropping across the board, then that still shows the strength of the secondary market in a downturn economy. Yeah. Even if you're not like, hey, you're going to double your sales or or sales are going to go up by 20, 30%. But if they don't drop the same extent that it's dropping at Target and Walmart, then you're still winning.
1: Yeah. I mean I I'm a I'm a I think I'm a little more optimistic. I, I think right now it's it's pretty easy to get pessimistic about things. And you know, we'll talk about that uh later on. But it's it's I think I don't know. My my my, my view from everything that I was reading was secondary market does really, really well during this time. So we'll just have to wait and see. Again, I, I don't think things repeat themselves, but it's it's possible that that might happen again. All right. Hey, before we move on to a more exciting part of Hustle of the Week, here I want to talk about our Discord. Uh, it's been such a great community. I've learned so much. And, you know, what I love is the bigger we grow, uh, the more we learn. And so, you know, again, I, I brought up, you know, somebody brings up a question and look at it. I'm like, ah. I don't know if anybody here is going to be able to answer this. And sure enough, somebody shows up and answers or somebody provides a, a bolo that nobody thought about, or somebody uh, chimes in uh, on
0: shipping, you know, it's it just, it's some been some and tricks and yeah, it's been really great. And it's just been cool too, to just uh, be able to kind of, What's the term? Shoot the breeze with some people and just kind of talk about things that are the randomness. Yeah. Just what it's like being a reseller and Hey, saw this at a garage sale. Isn't this funny? Or somebody, can you believe this customer posted this? Cause sometimes you don't have anybody you could talk to about that. Like when I'm at work, I can't say, Hey, I had this customer and they (laughs) asked this question about this item. The person at my work would be like, what are you talking about? Like, okay. But like when you share it with another reseller that gets it, it's kind of nice to not feel alone and so we definitely love our all of our patreon subscribers who are supporting Pi podcasts you're the reason we're able to keep going uh, on and, and making these episodes so if you are a patreon subscriber 555 a month you get access to our discord and our discord is just it's a place where we have community of people hanging out and you don't have to participate it's not like you're required to post so many times in a month in order to be a part of it so you can just watch and, and learn if you want to, or you can jump in, ask questions, be part of the community. And it's been great. And along with that too, uh, AmericanBubbleBoy.com, if you're looking for uh, you know bubble wrap the other day,
1: it came in just clutch just in time. Uh, I had, uh, I'll talk about my hustle of the week, but I needed a good amount of bubble wrap for it. And uh, so if you haven't yet go to AmericanBubbleBoy.com, uh, go through our link below that helps us out, helps you out in the, the discount you know we're still working on that but it is still the best price out there for bowl wrap and the fastest shipping today next day and even local pickup so uh check them out and last of all if you haven't followed us on social media we are pure hustle pasta hey pure hustle pasta
0: we are a pure hustle podcast hey maybe we should make that a shirt pure hustle pasta there you go i got some i got some crazy ideas for yeah i don't know if i'll trust anything at it'll be fine
1: especially when things lose their trademark Mm. We could, we could do, we could do something. So, oh gosh, it's going to be awesome. So, anyways, uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, Pierce Podcast. I am posting on TikTok. Thank you to all of you that have followed us. or maybe you've come across a podcast, uh, because of TikTok. I appreciate you. I got to tell you, the TikTok recently community is thriving. I still think it is the most toxic of all the social media because i don't know i just feel like people are mean in there but it's fun i like the engagement so i uh, check it out we are pure so cast on twitter you can also give us a call 619-738-1170 that's 619-738-1170 or shoot us an email we have one today that we're reading as a hustle of the week at pure as a podcast at gmail.com That's pure as a podcast at gmail.com as always if you're listening to us but you want to catch us on youtube or you've never been on our youtube jump on over hit that subscribe smash that like button everyone that's watching us right now or even if you're listening just go to youtube and smash that like button hit that bell notification and last of all thank you to all of you with the itunes reviews always helps us in the algorithm uh if you go in there five star review and do a nice little write-up about why you enjoy the podcast that helps us out a lot because there's a lot of recently podcasts out there and even though we are the most listened to podcasts out there it's it's it great to have other people know why so please help us out in that fashion and. It's greatly appreciated. All right. Are we ready? Talk about some uh, some good scores here.
0: Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. Hustle of the week time. So our first one comes from Sean, IG handle at Hanson Hustles. So went to a yard sale back in September and came across several vintage toys. Uh, many were new in package. Uh, they were masters of the universe and Thundercats. Uh, he asked the lady running the yard sale for how much uh, she wanted, and she said ten dollars. He couldn't pay her fast enough. This is where uh, you would you would haggle. I think it's good to just pay. I, no, no, no. It's good. I, to there's just pay. times I haven't haggled when it's that good. I, sometimes yeah. I won't. So he couldn't pay fast enough. Uh, the owner stated she had more, so there may be a callback. So listed on eBay a new and packaged Thundercats Mumra and Ravage action figure, uh, and after declining several two hundred to three hundred offers, three hundred dollar offers. Uh, made a total net profit of five hundred and ninety-seven dollars. Man, from a ten-dollar buy, whew, that is a killer profit. Good job, Sean. Uh, it's always great when you can find those those vintage toys, and and especially if they're new in box. Oh, it just it's just something iconic it. about. And it's it. funny. I brought up. I shared
1: that uh, that hustle a week with my son. He's like Thundercats, and I'm like, oh, yeah. you have no idea, Thunder man. Cat. Thundercats. So anyways, nice work there, uh, Sean from Hanson Hustles on IG. All right. Here's an email from uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan in Michigan. And actually, he, I think he was like our third hustle of the week. I mean, from the early days, like OG. episode three, episode four. He had like these speakers. I don't know if you remember, but I, I remember when he sent this email. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, remember. I, I did remember that because I was like blown away. You know, here's what's funny is before we did the podcast, we knew people had scores here and there. And now the fact that everybody sends us a the week, like we're like, wow, yeah. like this is going. it does, it does keep you going. So, uh, so, all right. So Ryan had said, uh, you know, that probably the largest hall of all time entitled this hustle of the century. And I think it's a, it's a great, it's a great haul. And here's the thing, this was a major haul. So let me, let me share the story. There's pictures in, in between here. So I'm trying to sort through all of it. So anyways, Got a message from a random person that they had message over. I believe it was over a Facebook marketplace or I think it was offer up if they had any other uh, if they had any video game stuff and said they, they posted a, a picture of a, they had a picture of a PS1 and said yes to give them a few days and that, you know, they'll look around and they'll get together and they'll reply with some you know more photos. So two days later uh, contacted and sent a few more pictures and it was just insanity. Came back with the photos and and in these photos, man, there's like sealed PS1 games, PS2 games, Game Genie, like you name it, like all kinds of, of video game stuff, Manuals, books. Yeah, it's it's it's, ins- it's insanity. So came in and said wanted 600 for all of it. There wasn't a lot that, you know, that was that was worth anything. So I asked if she could make up a list. Oh, wait, let me read that right. There wasn't a lot that I seen that was worth anything. So I asked if you can make up a list. So maybe these pictures, I don't know. I'm gonna get these pictures and I see value, but anyways, uh, she told me it would take a few days. She then proceeded sending more photos. Okay. So the, oh, so the next photos are with all the sealed stuff. So she said she wanted a little more for the seal games and the PS1 games. Uh, <laughs> was in bed when he got the message shot up and ran to the computer to look up the stuff. Uh, th- there was a sealed copy of Diablo one, which goes for a lot of money. And there's a bunch of stuff. And usually video games is quick ROI. Like if you had the right video games and so told edited headed that direction same day right away and could swing by and pick it all up. And you got to do that when there's these kind of deals, you can't go, Hey, let's meet at, can we meet at three? It's like, no, I'll be there. I could be there in 15 minutes. Like you do not want to waste that time. Uh, and eventually said, you know what? I know you got more, but I don't need a list anymore. Let me just come on over. So went on over, uh, and went over and picked up a bunch of stuff. So once I got there, I had to stop and take a breath and stop shaking. There was way more that there was when I was expecting and ended up finding even more. Looked at a copy of Diablo and and saw that there was, you know, a little bit of damage to the case, but there there was still money. Settled on $1,400 for all of it. I had to go back and get more money. Uh, I only brought thousand dollars, so I ended up having to go get back get cash. That's the worst. You know what's nice though is now that there's Venmo. So I always think about that. So, anyways, uh, it started driving home, uh, and was just started screaming in the car, not believing everything he picked up. Uh, anyways, got to the bank, got the money, came back, bought the stuff. Uh, headed back over and kept getting more stuff. So there are strategy guides. Uh, some of them, if you look at these video game strategy guides, so this was for breath of fire 2, uh, $137, right? When he looked it up. So knew that there was money. So, um, anyways, uh, let me, let me just get to the, to the crux of it. Uh, what a stayed longer. So a few days later went back and picked up a bunch of stuff in 24 hours, already listed 46 of those items. Okay, so 46 of those items. So remember, he spent 1400 right? And there's all kinds of stuff in here. There's Game Gear. There's old controllers. There's a bunch of sealed packages. I mean, it's just, it's a lot. And, uh, you know, it's a podcast, but I'm just letting you know, it's a lot of sealed video games. PS1, PS2, PS3. There's Nintendo. There's strategy guides. So anyways ryan listed 46 items for a total of seven thousand dollars plus minus has a ton more to list not including the sealed stuff hasn't even listed sealed stuff last week did over two thousand five hundred dollars in sales from all this stuff okay and remember spent fourteen hundred already made twenty five hundred listed seven thousand and has a lot more to list so yeah if if we had this is you know i had encouraged him to do youtube i know that takes a lot of time but the The breadth of everything that was picked up is way more for me to be able to share in this two minute, also the week section. Yeah. So, what a cool find. So, Ryan, yeah. great job. Appreciate you sharing with us and uh, be quick on those local, local deals. Yeah.
0: All right. Our next one comes from um, IG handle Dublin's Treasure Isle. Uh, so, it's a couple who's been reselling on eBay since 1999. Uh so sold first as a hobby. Um there was a local Tower Records that was closing so they bought Magic the Gathering boxes for $25 and were selling them for 150 to 175. Uh, so they did this daily. Uh, so fast forward to now, went to a Salvation Army as a craft. Uh went to the office supplies section first.
1: <laughs> did I type did I type on that one?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what <laughs> that is. Let, let me see. Let me, uh, on, so. Picked up a pack of specialty <laughs> printer paper for 6.99. Couldn't find comps, but saw that, they're, uh, that they were discontinued. Listed a 100 sheet of chart pack specialty print paper for a quick sale and sold for a hundred dollars plus shipping. Nice. Yeah, you Wait, never you ever, know. You ever
1: seen those like old school yeah. like printer papers? Like yep. usually they look like junk. Yeah. Hey, you never know, right? And even gotta this look one, look it up. Specialty. Yeah. If you go on IG, go to Dublin's underscore treasure underscore aisle. I-S-L-E, like you go look at the picture, I guarantee 99% of us would have passed that up. Mm. So that, that was a nice pick up Dublin's treasure aisle. And by the way, that Tower Records, were you around when Tower Records? I don't think so. Man, if you could, like the fact that they were buying Magic, they buy gathering cards for $25. Oh, that'd be amazing. On, on the daily, just showing up and it's on clearance.
0: Well, I just, you probably don't want to think about what those cards, if that was nineteen ninety nine, dollars or selling for now. <laughs> Oh, I oh I believe it.
1: I, I believe. But it's kind of like this. Like, I'm really bothered right now because when Toys R Us was closing out, liquidating, there were thousands of Skylanders new and sealed packages. Mm. And they were selling them for like 10 cents, 15 cents, like less than a dollar. And I passed up on every single one. Yep.
0: Every single one. Yeah. Well, I almost bought a Bitcoin when it was like all right, 50 okay. bucks. So whatever. I mean, we uh, all make yeah, mistakes. Yeah, I know. I know. Now I did score on a ton of stuff, but it's one of those
1: things where uh, who would have thought? Who would have thought? So. All right. You got your hustle. Uh, thank you, everyone, by the way, for your hustle. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, if you join our Discord, there's even crazier hustles of the week in the Discord. Like unbelievable. Like we're talking about museum stuff. Yeah. It's nuts. It's pretty crazy.
0: Anyways, go ahead, Mike. All right. So, uh, mine is a continuation of the the church rummage sale camera saga. So, um, <laughs> if you... Originally, I bought three cameras, not knowing if they worked, tested them. Uh, two of them worked. One of them didn't. Already sold the one that didn't work. Separated the lens and the camera body. And uh, so, I picked up these three cameras for $55 a piece. Okay. And already made probably net profit, like close to 80 to hundred dollars off the broken one and the lens so not bad i mean i'm already getting close to breaking even on those well i just sold uh uh, one of the working ones so i still have one working one left so i sold it uh, with the shipping and the price of the camera it was just about 500 bucks once you include tax all stuff i think that was the number that showed up it's like 512 bucks on my phone okay so 500 an item that i picked up for 55 pretty much already broken even on the cell, getting close to breaking even, uh, from selling the, the broken one. And it actually wasn't too bad to ship. I was really worried, but when, because I took the first one and I took the, the lens off it cause they're pretty large cameras. I took the lens off of the broken one and sold the lens separately. I already was like, man, maybe I should, when I ship this, take the lens off. So that's what I did. I took the lens off, made the box a little bit shorter and I actually, floated two boxes inside of a bigger box huh. so the second box and so here's a, a tip for you if you're floating a box you can use another box as the padding inside of there and it kind of works pretty good to fill in some hmm. some air, space so instead of just using paper or bubble wrap or things like that which can be a little yeah, bit more expensive i've done i've done that before like you just create like a boundary like a border. yeah like a border around of i mean i've used various things whether it's styrofoam. Um, I had a box that came in and a lot of the packing material around it was basically pieces of cardboard, like folded into like cylinders or triangles and then taped up. And so that kind of gave me the idea of like, Hey, I could just use some of these too. So I used a box. One of the boxes kind of acted as a buffer in there. Uh, but yeah, it, it shipped and it wasn't too bad to ship. I charged $50 for shipping on it and actually shipped out for like 25 bucks. So nice. it wasn't too bad, made some money on the shipping on that. And, uh, I still have one more and now I'm way in the green on it. So I'm super excited to sell the last one. It was one of those, I mean, I'm going to be over a thousand dollars net profit off of these cameras by the time everything's said and done. So it was uh, definitely my hustle of the week that finally sold happy. There you go. What about you? What's your hustle? So remember that story
1: about the storage wars, mm. right? Well, I was at that garage sale and the storage person was there, Renee and, I, you know, I basically like, hey, Storage Wars, and he ended up buying nothing. Well, he missed out. So I bought a bunch of stuff. I bought spray cans. I bought, uh, I just, uh, yeah, it was just a bunch of stuff like electronics here and there, vintage cameras. But there was one piece in there that I thought he would have picked up because after I sold it, I'm like, that's weird because this is, this was probably the most valuable thing at the garage sale. And I got to that garage sale an hour and a half after it had been open and no one had thought about buying this, which I thought was kind of odd. So if you caught us on, on Instagram when I was sourcing at that garage sale, there was an old bus fare box. So if you ever caught the bus in the city, you know, usually you put your coins and it drops, you know, right at the entrance or you've watched the movie Speed right at the front by the bus driver. okay? And so they had a fare box there and it was working and they wanted $50 for it. Hmm. And, you know, I bundled everything and I paid $100 for everything there. So I already made my money back. I sold a bunch of the spray cans, which, you know, selling spray paint isn't too hard. I mean, the shipping isn't too bad. Shout out to a Primetime Treasure Hunter has a great video on shipping out spray cans. I I learned from him and it's been really easy. Uh, And I already made like $30, $40 profit on the spray cans and a few of the other items that were there. So this fair box was sitting around, and last podcast, you know, uh, I was telling Mike like, ah, I don't know about this thing, like I got to get it listed, and and at the same time, somebody had messaged me, and it was pretty awesome because it was somebody from uh, San Francisco, and they were telling me how they drove uh, the bus, and so that gave me an opportunity to immediately connect and said, I said, hey, you know what, I grew up. Riding Muni, which Muni is the bus, uh the bus company out there. And he's like, Oh yeah, I drove from Muni for 30 years. I'm like, sweet. So this is when you build that connection, like it's it's already going in a good direction. And you know, we were going back and forth, and he was telling me about his family, and <laughs> it was it was just this weird uh interaction that it just it felt normal. It felt like I was at, you know, at this guy's house having dinner and so you know mike was in the room still and i said you know i'm hoping this develops into a deal well sure enough uh we eventually landed on a deal i paid uh 50 for this fair box and we agreed on 475 dollars for the fair box plus 100 dollars shipping and that's good <laughs> i was good with that and instantly paid right away kept telling me how much he appreciated me and i was like hey now nah, i appreciate you man thank you and I was kind of scared shipping it because it weighed 70 pounds. And I remember Mike going like, you're going to actually ship that? I'm like, yeah, because there's more money when you ship stuff. Nine times out of 10, you will make more money. That thing locally, I don't think it would have sold that fast. And so, you know, I packed it and you can you can send it via UPS via or FedEx. Here's a problem. eBay has a major glitch they need to fix. And the fix in, the fix that they need to do is... When an item is like a certain way, it's too heavy or it there's too much dimensions, it does a stupid thing where when the buyer tries to buy it, it says contact the seller for the price. And it's I don't know why it does it. It's done that to me for years and somehow it doesn't. So what I had to do is I actually just had to go to flat rate when I entered my I said, it's going to cost two hundred dollars to ship no matter what. And so, you know, I told the guy, I said, hey, I can punch in numbers. So I went to pirate ship and I punched in numbers to see how much it would cost to ship. And I said, you know what, we could do it for one hundred bucks. Right. And it ended up costing me like about eighty five dollars to ship it out. So just be aware that it, it, the way to get around that glitch is to just accept the reality that eBay may not, never fix that glitch and just put a flat rate to ship. And so anyways, the other thing I wanted to share is that you need to get a special kind of tape when you ship out items that are over 50 pounds. And so it's called strapping tape. Uh, U-Haul has this. So it's, it's tape. That you cannot tear apart with your hands. You have to actually cut it with scissors or a blade. And it's because it has uh, fiberglass pieces embedded. And so when you put it on the box, it has like this instant bond. And it's really hard for items to break through. And so it cost me about $5. I spent the whole roll on my box. Just kind of wanted to make sure. But it got there in two days, safe and sound. The guy left me a glowing review. Was so happy about it. So it turned, beat the Storage Wars guy. And turned $50 to $400 something dollars net profit. So yeah. I'm happy with that. Yeah.
0: You should, you should make a video rubbing it in his face. You didn't buy this. Like tag him in it. No,
1: no, 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 no. Listen, I respect the guy. I've learned so much from that guy. So, all right. So that is our hustles of the week. Yeah. Now, did you
0: shave on the way here? Not on the way here. I shaved on the way to uh, my nine to five job. And mm-hmm. uh, we use Skull Shaver at Pure Russell Podcast. Uh, Skull Shaver has been a, a great partner of ours Uh, we, when we first got our hands on a skull shaver, I I had never actually shaved my head all the way down. I kind of just use like trimmers to like keep it real close. And man, I was a little bit nervous the first time, but it was so easy to use. Uh, it's, you can use it in the shower. You can use it when, when you're out of the shower, either way, it's fast, it's quick, it's easy to clean. I've never once had a Nick not even one time shaving my head. And that was my biggest fear. I was like, man, I know I'm going bald. I'm going to have to shave my head. And I was just worried about cuts and nicks. And with my skull shaver, I get down to the skin and I've never had a nick one time. So if you are somebody who regularly shaves or you know you need to start shaving, we highly recommend Skull Shaver. It's a great product. It's one that we use every single day and we can honestly say it's fantastic. So check it out. Skull Shaver, uh, the code is, is it Pure it, now it's hustle with a hustle capital h it's hustle capital h go to go to go to skull shaver use our know. use our our code that lets them know we sent you uh, you'll get a little discount it lets them know but even if you don't like we, we we highly recommend the product so check it out
1: all right let's talk about the good part so if you say to the end now you're staying where it it's really applicable to you and and this is good so the first one is not going to be so good but maybe it will be good in the long run and thrift stores boom during this time. Yeah. Meaning that, that that they grow and they grow. So uh, read a couple of reports here. This is from England, the daily mail. Uh, and so uh, what they say is that the squeeze middle, this is from 2012 is fueling a boom in charity shops. The families are forced off the high street to buy secondhand clothes and furniture. Uh, the Sue Ryder organization, which provides uh, palliative care in communities, has opened a 3,000 square foot store in Kings Lynn. I don't know where that that is, uh, but massive thrift store. So they they kept opening over and over and over stores throughout throughout the country, right? And so you also had Oxfam, 700 shops and online stores announced taking annuals of 85 point million pounds in 2011. So, anyways. They grew, okay? Here in America, okay? Uh, we had more thrift stores. So, uh, most... Uh, man, I, li- I don't like how they describe it here. Is this how it is still? This is 2012. They said, musty smells, bad lighting, owls clogged with shoddy merchandise and ancient
0: shoppers. It's kind of mean. It's a, I mean, it's a good description. There's a <laughs> smell. There's a smell. Not thrift now. Thrift. It's like where all the cool kids go. Well, it depends on which ones you go to. But here's the problem. You go to... The, if you don't go to the musty thrift stores, you're paying... You're basically paying... Designer prices for your items. That's true. Okay, all now the cool kids are going there now. They but then they clarify. Then they say, if
1: this is your procession of thrift store, chances are you haven't been in one recently. The Great Recession era has been generally awful for housing values and job prospects. But a struggling economy can result in a boom for certain segments that benefit from consumers adapting to financially hampered circumstances, namely auto repair shops. I mentioned this before, which people spend more money on because they want to make their cars last. Dollar stores do really well and thrift stores, okay? And so according to the National Association of Resale Professionals, the number of resale stores, thrift stores, as well as consignment shops and other retailers selling secondhand merchandise increased 7% in each of the past two years. Uh, Goodwill now operates over 2,500 nonprofit stores in the US, while up-and-coming nonprofit resource stores such as Savers are flourishing.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I think it's pretty clear to say that thrift stores are going to do well. um, Which is going to lead to
1: more competition, competition. but maybe it's going to lead to more sourcing opportunities
0: yeah i'm, I'm not super <laughs> I'm, I'm not super optimistic that it's going to lead to more sourcing opportunities because i think their prices will go up i think more and more people not just competition from other resellers, you think so in the com- uh, declining economy well yeah because if 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 you're used to going to a thrift store and the only people at thrift stores are other resellers and a handful of people who are buying things you know just for themselves but if, if a large portion of the population is moving to... i when I say large. If a good percentage of people are starting to go to thrift stores for their own things, then thrift stores, they have way more demand. They can raise their prices. It's going to be harder to find the things you're looking for. So I definitely think it's harder. But it's one of those things where if thrift stores are doing well, then eBay is going to be doing well too. So I don't think it's going to be a boon for us sourcing wise. But I do think that it's a, a, a symptom of the secondary market doing well. And which will impact the you know eBay sellers too. So it's one of those, it's catch 22. I think we're going to have more competition, but I also think it could help us out as more people are moving towards potentially eBay as a source for buying things for themselves. So I think, I think it's maybe a net break even. Okay. I'm just thinking
1: about, I mean, did you catch what Target just announced? Yeah. They, uh, they just announced
0: uh, they're slashing prices to clear out inventory. So basically, they have too much. But I don't know if that's good. Again, it's not necessarily a good thing for a reseller because if they're cutting their prices because they have too much inventory and there's not enough demand, we pick it up. It's not like demand is going to go up. The demand is still low. Oh, 100%. To me, it's a warning. So people were sending me this, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to source from there. Yeah, because if they can't sell it at (laughs) at retail prices, then... You know, how am I going to sell it? I thought this was above? funny. It said other retailers, including Maisie's Kohl's, and Walmart,
1: cited rising inventories when they reported their quarterly earnings results last month. Walmart said its annual shareholders meeting on Friday that 20 percent of its elevated inventory were items the company wishes it never had. Mm. Right. So but it, but again, if you have quality stuff, right, most of the stuff I resell is not from Walmart, is not from Target. I know some retailers do and I think there are certain like niches with, you know, Lily Pulitzer and you know other brands that you can buy, but here's the thing, there is going to be more competition at the thrift because now every everyone is going to be going to the thrift, right? They're going to they're not going to go buy those brand new shoes, but I do think this is going to shift to online because during that recession, I don't think I, I I remember looking that our inflation was not anywhere where it is right now. It wasn't even close, right? Our inflation now is the highest it's been since the 80s, right? And so gas is obnoxious. So are people really going to be going to all these stores or are they just going to go, hey, I go online, it's free shipping. I'm just going to, I'm just going to buy online. So I anticipate that it's going to be good for us in the long run, uh, as long as, you know, you have the right products and you're competitive. Now, I think there's going to be amazing sourcing opportunities. Like amazing, like to I, garage sales. I'm already seeing it. Yeah. Uh, and so this I kind of read a little bit of this article last time, but uh, basically during the recession of 08, 09, and into 2010, there was a boom uh in garage sales. People were trying to offset their costs by doing garage sales, and so therefore, you know, people are like, hey, you know what? If I do a quick garage sale, I make a quick. Two, three hundred bucks, that's gonna offset the cost of gas, offset the cost of groceries. And so it's gonna bring in, you know, that extra necessary money that people need. And so during that time, Craigslist had reported, you know, a huge uptick on their listings. And what I mean is, uh, here I'll read it. It says one barometer, of the rising popularity in a three-fold leap in garage. Three fold leap. I imagine that's that's triple, right? Yeah. So in San Diego, we get uh, about an average of like 300 garage sales every weekend. That would mean 900 garage sales. That would be a wonderland. Okay. Um, on on their free classified listings and Craigslist over the past two years. And I'm already seeing it. In the last month, except for one day, one Saturday, every time I've gone to garage sales, it's been ridiculous amount of stuff that's out there right
0: now yeah and you you have to look at it too because a lot of times people are going to say like these are people who are hurting they're trying to sell sell stuff to make money don't you feel bad being a reseller and the reality is it's 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 a benefit to both parties that's that's why this transaction happens all transactions unless it's a forced transaction is mutually beneficial or at least perceived to be mutually beneficial so somebody who's hoping to make their you know pay their electricity bill or get some extra money to cover gas or to whatever it is they're they're trying to make money for, they're happy to offload things that are just taking up space in order to make that extra cut two three hundred dollars that they need that month. So if every reseller were to say, well, I feel bad, I'm not going to buy things because people are trying to make money, well, then those people won't get the money they need. So it is a mutually beneficial thing to 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 go, uh, but that kind of leads to the next point, which is, there really is an opportunity in a time like this, like the largest percentage of wealth transfer that happens in uh, the West, happens in a country like America, happens during a downturn economy. Uh, it It is when a lot of times people who maybe are doing really well financially, if they don't make good decisions, can end up transferring a lot of that money to other people who are positioned to take advantage of that Uh, one example that is something like the stock market right so when the stock market is doing really well uh, people who have the money to be in there can do really well but if all of a sudden stock prices are cut in half people have lost half of what they have they start to get nervous they start selling things are selling for way cheap if you've got a little bit of money you can buy at a huge discount right you're buying stocks at, at significantly lower prices knowing that, hey, in three, four, five years, this is gonna go back up to where it was, I'm basically getting this at half price. Uh, So the same is true when it comes to something like garage sales and other sourcing opportunities, is if people are trying to offload money now, times are hard, they wanna, hey, I just need some extra money, and so people are, are offloading inventory, maybe it's another reseller, or people are offloading things that they have in their house. You, if you're positioned yourself to be able to buy things now, it might not sell right away like you have to have positioned yourself to have the capital to say i can buy maybe maybe nothing hobby wise is selling right now maybe the card mar- market drops as as the economy gets worse so the prices just start tanking 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 well if i can buy today what sold 2 days ago for 100 dollars but i can buy it at 25 dollars today then in 5 10 years when the economy is back to where it was I'm going to have all this stuff at a huge discount when mm-hmm. people are buying Pokemon cards again and people are buying it, it. Things go in cycles. And so the re, when I say the transfer happens, it, it, it isn't always realized immediately. But it's people saying, hey, if I buy this stuff now while it's at a discount, then a year, two, five, however long it takes, I now can then flip it at the much higher price. But you have to have positioned yourself to be able to take advantage of that. And sometimes it's playing the long game and sometimes it's, Hey, I've been preparing for this for years and years and years of, you know, trying to make sure I had the capital. And we've been talking about that since the beginning of Pure Soul Podcast, since we are doing Richest Man in Babylon. One of the first book reviews we did is how can we make sure that you're able to capitalize? Because there's really no such thing as being lucky, but opportunity comes and luck is, were you able to capitalize on it? Did you strategically set yourself up in a position that you were able to take advantage of the opportunity that was going to come to you at some point along the road. And this for some people is going to be that opportunity. You might come out of this, uh, whether it takes a year to get out of this downturn in economy, maybe it takes a month, maybe it takes 10 years. Like we don't know, but this potentially is an opportunity for you to say, Hey, as things, if, if I'm in the hobby market and prices keep tanking, instead of thinking, I just need to offload all of my stuff at rock bottom prices, Maybe now's the time to buy more of it, to keep sourcing more of it, knowing that this could go up again in five, 10 years, and I'm going to be ten times better off than I was when this all started.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I had mentioned in January, and somebody brought this up in the Discord that I had said it, that this is going to be the year that makes or breaks resellers, and I kind of forgot that I said that because I wasn't as woe as me. Uh, I had did I did some kind of rant like, hey, things are kind of slow. You know, it's kind of rough. And I mentioned the last podcast that I can only do this maybe for another, you know, 12 months or whatever. And and somebody had, you know, had to mention the fact that, hey, you were the one that said this is going to make a break resellers. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's true. And I, I do believe that to be true. I think there's going to be a lot of resellers that are going to fall away uh that, you know, things will get interesting. And and maybe people have, including myself, I'm not saying I'm not, you know, I plan on still reselling for a long time, but, you know, I, I have I have this belief that sometimes you got to pivot when you got to pivot, right? And if you see that the writing's on the wall, it's time to move. I don't see that happening, but I do believe that there's going to be a lot of resellers that are going to say, this is too much, you know, and they didn't pre- prepare themselves. They, you know, bought the wrong kind of inventory or they leveraged themselves too much, or they put themselves in a place where now now it's going paycheck to paycheck and so there is no capital to buy and so they're up against the wall and some will say that's it and others will say you know what? I'm ag- I'm against the wall I'm going to I'm going to list more I'm going to source more I'm going to adapt I'm going to do whatever it takes and when they get through this they'll have either a larger inventory they're going to have more capital they're going to learn a lot more And they're gonna be a way way better financial place because during that time they also were able to make sales they're able to put money in the stock market into other assets that you know when they rebound they will rebound really well and because i'm a i'm a big believer right now that you know a lot of people are like doomsday and all this and maybe mike and i disagree on this but listen if if we are in in doomsday mode then what's it matter it matters we'll work hard in in the optimistic route and believing that things will rebound Because if you don't and things do rebound, you're going to get left behind and you do not want to be left behind. So definitely find ways to make it happen. Recession, stagflation, whatever it is, based on everything we've seen, reselling is definitely doable. It just, as always, same formula applies. Adaptation will be what will take you through. With that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Late peace.